0: Welcome to Building Better Relationships at Work and at Home with Angela Ambrosia, Love and Relationship Coach, and Patty Oskverek, Leadership and Work-Life Balance Coach. We talk about today's relationships and how to enable you to create long-lasting relationships.
1: Welcome to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. In this episode, Angela and Patty will be discussing a topic request from a listener: Is a family member putting a guilt trip on you? How to deal with it? Well, Angela, you're going to be the expert on this one since you're the love and relationship coach.
0: All righty, let's get free of guilt. <laughs>
1: let's look at guilt. It is the N-word process of beating yourself up through harsh thoughts. Nobody can put a guilt trip on you, but you, because these are your thoughts. Some of your thoughts could be, "I'm not going to make," "I'm not going to make them happy," or "Do what they want." They are going to dislike me or leave me. They are going to think. I'm such a bad
0: person. Yeah, the guilty one. Actually, we've got a family member that we've labeled her (laughs) as she took it all. She became the guilty one. And sometimes you find uh, one member of your family might seem to be the repository of the guilt, and sometimes it's evenly distributed across several members. So this seems to be unfair, doesn't it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think we've all put guilt trips on ourselves as well as others throughout our lifetime. Some unintentionally, some intentionally. It's kind of part of the family dynamics, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it definitely is. Guilt is also one of the ancient emotions. So things such as hate... uh, envy guilt jealousy anger fear and also love there is a nice one there (laughs) Um, the the good old ugly ancient emotions are cyclical so they've been around a long time and that that's a good thing to keep in mind with guilt because when we look at families you may notice certain guilt trips are handed down through generations. What comes to mind for me is the Japanese culture. And they would never call it a guilt trip, but if an ancestor knows that, for example, you're taking your own life or you're not honouring your family, you can feel very intense guilt that you're not living up to the memory of your ancestors or your grandparents, living or deceased. So guilt can be handed down as well so those harsh thoughts that you put on yourself the guilt trip that you put on yourself it can really feel like it's coming from your family but ultimately what we want to offer you today is a perspective where you see it as thoughts that you are actually able to assist if you've got guilty thoughts if you've got hurtful thoughts harsh thoughts How can you actually start to deal with those? Because you can't really change your family members. (laughs) You're pretty much born into the family you're born with. Um, And one situation I wanted to share is an example of survivor's guilt. And during the COVID-19 experience, I saw a sharing from an Italian man somewhat in, in his 30s. And unfortunately, his father died of the virus. And he believes, oh. yeah, it's quite sad. He believes, he's not sure, but he believes that he transmitted the virus to his father. He was riding bikes in Milan, and mm-hmm. that's how he thinks he got the virus. And he lived, he moved in with his dad before um, this whole situation flared up in Malai and he moved in with his father because his father was getting older and he wanted to look after his father. But unfortunately, he now feels, believes, thinks that he was the cause of his father's death by moving in with him. So in that situation, we, looking at it externally, we we can say, well, he didn't know anything about this virus. He didn't know he was going to transmit anything and to his father it's out of his control so in the same way a lot of our lives are out of our control if we're wanting to live a certain life that's not in the program our parents or our grandparents or our ancestors had for us that's often not in their control or your control you're often in situations That could be creating a sense of guilt that you're not living up to the expectation of your family that's completely out of your control. Yet we're still going to experience that guilt. And in this man's situation where he feels responsible for causing the death of his father, he also has to go through that guilt and actually start to understand this was a situation I couldn't control and why am I having to experience this emotion. It could be just an old thing for him to shift. Yeah.
1: That's, that's really hard.
0: Yeah. So I just wanted to honour that if you're experiencing guilt, it's a tough feeling to shift, but you can't change the family you're brought into <laughs> and some of these choices in love relationships that may also create a shift difficulty within the family Um, so you've got some topics that might be causing trips for people
1: (laughs) yes so Angela how do you deal with a family member who puts a guilt trip on you I know this can be a real sensitive topic Here are some examples, your parents want you to run the family business but you would rather be a graphic designer or your family expects you to follow their traditions and you don't want to or maybe you want to travel but your family wants you to live next door. Maybe you want to play baseball but your parents want you to play basketball. How do you go your own way without the guilt? Many of us live with regret because they did what their parents wanted them to do instead of what they wanted to do. Yeah. So, yeah. So, my question for you, Angela, is how do you you go your own way and be your own person and still have respect from your family?
0: It's a really interesting question because it suggests that you lose respect by being your own person. And that's the central dynamic that really creates guilt. It's a fear of I'm going to lose my family's opinion or value or esteem estimation of me i'm going to lose their appreciation of me and their respect so the, the question is here can you be your own person and make your own, and you make your family happy yeah in, in my experience it's about 50-50 it's often you often will be your own person you're going to face conflict whether it's conflict from your family conflict from your society conflict with your school conflict with your peer group by being your own person there is going to be a challenge or a conflict or both and 50% of the time with your family you're going to end up fear that you're going to be rejected and that's actually going to be a real conflict that they will reject you and the other half of the time it's actually just a fear that they're going to reject us and it's actually not true you've made that up it's all of your fear from that younger child desire to be loved and accepted by your family and you're sort of living in this illusion that somehow your family expects you to be this way But really they don't. That's you as a younger child. You've made up this story that you have to be a good girl or a good boy or live up to this expectation. And if you don't, your family are going to disapprove. But there are those families that are very rejecting of you and they will reject you if you don't do what they want. And that is also extremely important in shaping your life. So in answer to your question, I'm going to give some... Um, examples and also about how to remove the guilt from the situation because that can be a long process and when i work with clients sometimes they can be much older in their life and have carried guilt for many many decades and i want to help people quick quicken that that's what i do when i work with people we sometimes remove decades of guilt Mm -hmm a quick time because you don't need to carry it to your grave.
1: <laughs> and and regret too. Lots of regret because they didn't do what they wanted to do.
0: Right. And if you're still doing what you wanted to do, sometimes you're still carrying the guilt that you did that. And so, right. And that's the other piece that you don't want to carry to your grave or to keep carrying around so but there will be families where you do need to part from them and go separate ways as well then that's i'm going to share an example in my experience and I'm much older now than when I was younger but in our family we were expected to get married it was always an expectation to be married you weren't supposed to move out of home until you got married well that didn't happen <laughs> <laughs> and, and we lived in in a couple of uh, of us we lived in guilt that we'd moved out before we got married. And we lived in guilt when we got a partner and we didn't get married. And then we lived in guilt when we got a partner and we stayed with them for a period of time and we got married and then we got divorced and we were in guilt (laughs) because the relationship didn't last. So we kept on carrying this guilt, carrying this guilt, carrying this guilt until finally we did all the healing on ourselves and we looked back on the relationship and said, oh, wow. I wouldn't be the person I am today if I didn't have that relationship, if I didn't break up from that relationship and end up being the person that I am today. So often we marry a person or choose to be in a relationship with a person that can be at odds with our parents' desires or expectations, but you wouldn't be the person you are today without having gone through that relationship. With the person perhaps that your parents didn't approve of or perhaps that you ended up breaking up with and you feel like a disappointment to your parents or to yourself even so often our choices in love are really important in shaping who you are today however when you're going through this guilt or fear of choosing the wrong person or fear of not meeting your expectations of your family what you're not seeing in that moment is that you had to end up choosing that person even if you end up not really liking that person and separating or divorcing them. So that's just something to think about in your own life if you've made choices in love relationships that were went against your parents' wishes. You may have even had children to somebody that your parents didn't want you to marry. And keep in mind that, Those children wouldn't be here if you didn't choose that partner. So there's no use holding on to guilt. But it's important to understand the guilt and release it. And I can tell you from my own family, now my siblings and and I, we all understand the people that we ended up choosing to partner with. And we understand that we wouldn't be the person we are today without making that choice. But we definitely have that. Beautiful. And having
1: those experiences yeah. with that person, yeah. Yeah. And having those beautiful children. Yeah.
0: So that's the gift of some of the relationship choices you make, even if they are not completely what you would hope they to be and, and you may be having a sense of guilt that, um, that you're not living up to your family's expectations or desires for you to be in a marriage the other piece that I learned from not living up to my expectations about being partners was being single because I know a lot of people today feel guilty because they're not in a relationship. And unfortunately, it's not in everybody's destiny to be in a relationship these days, and that's becoming more and more transparent as we go into a lot of people who are single. So to carry a sense of guilt about not being a in a relationship, I invite you to start thinking about how can you start shifting that um, perception around the guilt? And the steps I'm going to share with you today are going to look at that. Um, In general, the the steps I'm going to share with you are going to look at all guilt, because underneath guilt is a fear of losing someone's appreciation or esteem of you, a fear of disappointing Mm -hmm. others, and also an anger at not being the person that you want to be or a fear of being the person that you want to be you fear that if you really did choose to be who you wanted to be that you would end up failing so I experienced this as a single person I felt that I somehow failed because I wasn't married like my parents thought I should be and as a single person I felt a failure and that can be a a haunting sort of thing it kind of carries around and if you start to get older it starts to linger (laughs) and we don't want that for you so this the the five steps i'm going to share today are going to help you to go back to um, an earlier period in your life where perhaps that guilt started about losing your parents esteem of you or fearing that you won't be the good girl or boy or child that you think your parents want you to be And that's where all of our guilt starts. It starts when we're very young children. And so you can apply this to guilt that you might feel in different situations um, and different trips that you go on. Um, So I wanted to go back to, in these five steps, the example that, Patty, you shared about uh, the example of wanting to be a graphic desire designer <laughs> see if I can get designer and desire mixed up <laughs> graphic desire <Ooh. laughs>
1: Hey, you know um be, being talented and creative like that is a desire right
0: exactly it's is funny <laughs> uh, and now I've got a whole new idea a graphic desire could be a whole new industry um, yeah <laughs> how do you get that graphic desire <laughs> when you're not fulfilling your parents' desire mm-hmm. to, to carry on the family business mm-hmm. or to be a, the doctor or the lawyer or whatever. Yes. Uh, and keep in mind that the topic of our career these days, and we might get Patty to talk about this another time, mm-hmm. but if there's so many new careers that are opening up through the electronic world that we're stepping into. And, Your parents now may have no ideas about what could be the future. So previous generations, we had expectations because they were tangible. Parents had expectations about what their children would be doing. But a whole new can of potential worms has opened up. Good worms, healthy worms that nourish the soil, worms. Because now there's new careers opening up that parents can't even conceive. So you still might have this situation where you think you should be getting a certain job or career but that's going to be completely different in five years time or 10 years time but i'm going for this five steps i'm going to use the example of being a graphic designer that doesn't fulfill what your parents want you to do so the first thing to look at for yourself is why do you feel guilty about being this graphic designer for example Why do you feel guilty? Write it down. Why do you feel guilty? And try to keep it short. Don't go on and on. It'll be fairly simple. Why do you feel guilty? It could be a fear. Are you going to let your parents down? Could you be leaving your parents financially insecure? Or is it a fear that you will not get their approval? Are they going to be angry? Are you fearful of their anger? Get really clear on what that specific guilt is showing you. Is it a fear instead of your parents that you'll not be successful if you become this graphic designer? So rather than guilt, is it really a fear of you being successful if you step out on your own? And is it safer to do what your family wants? So sometimes our guilt is actually covering up some other fear that we're not aware of.
1: Or if I step out on my own and I and I don't make it successful, what's going to happen then? I told you so?
0: I told you so. <laughs> and sometimes the guilt is... If I step out and I prove my parents right, then I will be a loser. I'll be the. I'll be proven to be not good enough. So we go into self fulfilling prophecies of guilt, and that's why we need to not get rid of it. It's not something that you can get rid of lightly or quickly. But we need to create understanding where it comes from, and then we manage the fear. We manage the. The fear of being a loser if you step out can be managed because you need support if you're going to step out on your own and your family doesn't support you. You need to find people who celebrate you, who champion you. That's how you manage fears of not being successful. Yes.
1: And a mentor that's probably already achieved success with wherever you're trying to go or be or do.
0: Yeah, and I worked with a group and I stepped out by myself because I certainly stepped out into entrepreneurial world in a way that my father didn't. My father was a truck driver when he first came to Australia, so he was an entrepreneur and he didn't even speak the language. He was very fearless but also insecure and doing things that were quite stressful. Uh, When I stepped out as an entrepreneur, I I found a group of mentors – through peak potentials they're no longer around but they have reconvened on Facebook I just found them again on Facebook and they taught us how to be a warrior and to, to celebrate I'm just going to share some of their statements for one of them I am a warrior I am willing to do what's hard so they used a lot of affirmations such as that I am a warrior, I am willing to do what's hard to combat the fear because the fear is going to be there anyway whether your family likes you or not so you need to have mentors or support groups or tools affirmations to help manage the fear if that's what the fear is pointing to towards if that's what the, um, lies underneath the guilt is a fear of being successful or that you won't be successful without your family's support you need a tribe to support you tribal animals. And these ancient emotions, the ones I mentioned before, guilt, anger, fear, they come from our tribal roots as a human species. So that's the first step, just why do you feel guilty? And where? what is the fear underneath the guilt? The next step too is then to ask yourself, how has this guilt shown up in my family before? How has this guilt shown up in my family before? When do you first remember this guilt? So for some of us, the memory will be a very clear early childhood memory. For some of you, it could be ancestral. (laughs) I know mine was, partly about being married. And I can remember with the marriage situation, Perhaps going to weddings and the expectations or things that were said about people when they weren't married or if they were divorced. Oh, my God, if they were divorced, horrible things were said about them. So I, I would use that in the situation, your specific guilt. If you can trace it back to where you remember the, the earliest memories, the better, about where this guilt for you started from, So any guilt that we have as an adult always starts when we're children, and as children we create an image of what we think our parents want us to be, and then we spend the rest of our lives feeling guilty (laughs) for not being that image. We think our parents want us to be this perfect little child, and we think That child should behave this way, and we get rewards from from our parents, and we do behave good, and we get bad looks from our parents, and we don't behave that way. So, as children, we create these images, and they're often inaccurate. That's what I meant earlier. Often, we spend our lives thinking our parents or families want us to be this way, and it's really this childhood image that you've created or story, and you're trying to live up to it, and it's actually false. That image is not you and sometimes it's not even what your parents want. It's just some belief that you think you should be that way and that can be quite challenging and basically impossible for any human being. So if you can get to that image of the the, where the guilt started, and that's what I do when I work with people around that specific guilt that they've got, we look at where their first memory is of where that started and that's very... That's the gold. That's the powerful way you can start to let go of the guilt, to transform it. So as an adult, in the next step, we can look at changing the belief of the child. We can't do it as a child. You know, if you go back to the memory, the child really believes that they should be that good little girl or boy. And we can't change that because that's the belief. It's, It's cemented in that neurobiology and the emotional brain of the child we can't change that as a child we can only change it as an adult now who wants to give the child an opportunity to change that belief that they're not good enough so in in the third step what we've got to do if if you've got to as an adult see how you can talk to that little version of yourself And as a coach and a healer, that's what I do. I Literally in my sessions, I work with people with an adult version of themselves to talk to the little child. But you can do that right away in step three. The the most important piece is when, Patty, you you brought this question from the listener, the listener framed it like a relative or a family member is putting a guilt trip on me. Right. Yeah. And that's our tendency as adults, right? We tend to go, oh, they're putting that guilt trip on me. So we've got to, right. we've got to flip it <laughs> around, right? We've got to see, I'm actually operating from guilt from my childhood version of this image that I should be, which is false, but it made sense for me as a child. But if I keep thinking that it's a guilt trip that someone's putting on me, what I'm basically saying is I'm not living up to this expectation of my parents and I'm feeling this guilt being triggered because now some other family member is triggering that guilt that's still in there as a child that's created on a false image that the child created. So we've got to create a conversation in the third step between your adult self and the child. And here's, Patty, that's where I wanted to bring in the inner child. That, that's, yeah, what the therapists saw. So,
1: yeah, so Angela, explain to us what inner child means.
0: Yeah, the inner child is a term that's created in therapy to talk about that younger self. That younger self that still lives in you when you're an adult. And so
1: it's, it's reflecting back to your, your, yourself as a, as a child and those feelings that you had as, as a child and that are carrying over to your
0: adulthood. Yeah, the feelings that are still present within you today. Mm-hmm. and they really don't change. That's the unfortunate thing about our our adult selves. We think we're grown up, <laughs> but we're really not, because the emotions and the feelings that we created and the beliefs we created from those feelings as a child are still with us, and that's well, living in the inner child.
1: And and don't they say that, like, for you? Year- at three years old is where you really have developed
0: all of your emotional yes your emotional abilities your Mm -hmm. capacities they can grow as an adult but your general emotional makeup is formed at around three Your beliefs still continue till about the age of six. You start creating your beliefs all the way from zero to six. They're created from zero to three. You 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 store your emotions much more in that deep unconscious pre-language space, the before language. So it's very much in your neurobiology, in your physical body, in your emotional nervous system. It can be smells or food or looks in the eyes from your parents or caregivers from zero to three and more in what they call implicit memory so it's very deep stored really deep in your body and then from three mm-hmm. to six you've got language right <laughs> the bane of language and that's when the beliefs start forming as well the thoughts are based on the emotions so zero to six is where all of those beliefs and images are created and the images can be quite, because from zero to three, we're still in a very symbolic, um, we don't have language, we have impressions and feelings. So they can be put through images in your limbic system, deep in the, the brain and the emotional brain. And from zero to three, you might have memories, but they're not really explicit memories. And some people have told me there's some very early memories from when they're in the crib or... Um, even birth memories I've had people really tap into deep memories Um, however the inner child is usually more uh, later when you work and tap into it. it's it's really more about three four five six and seven to ten and there's different parts of the inner child so there's parts of the inner child that are much more complicated and and thought based but usually when it comes to guilt we're looking at any age from from your livable memory from any age can be younger than 3 even up until about 10 and when we're talking about guilt because it always forms around in that age bracket and when it comes to a memory what i've discovered with guilt and other emotions is it's always the first memory from childhood that's that you work with. You don't need to struggle to find these memories. <laughs> there will be a memory and it's the first one. And it's, it's almost like what I've discovered within a child work that's so exciting is that there's this storehouse and wealth of Im- information from our younger selves that often as adults we ignore because we think we should be cool and grown up and we should be able to deal with this stuff and just move on from guilt. No, they're ancient emotions. And our inner child or the younger version of ourselves has it in your memory ready for you to work with. And if you try to brush off guilt, it'll come back, <laughs> which is the unfortunate problem with these ancient emotions. So what I have found talking to that younger version of myself or the clients, um, we can actually help the client. To release the guilt, to understand where the guilt was formed, and once you understand where it's formed, all you need to do is create a loving, nurturing relationship to that younger child to help it let go, to understand why they created the guilt. And in step three, that's it's a quite deep step. Like it, it's a lot easier when you do it with some someone like myself. But what I've also given to a lot of clients for homework is once you've understood that memory where the guilt was created, the third step is to say what would be the one thing that you could tell that younger version of yourself that that younger version would love to hear and also love to be able to share with the world. powerful I cannot even begin to tell you that it's the best medicine for guilt (laughs) because unfortunately the 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 younger child has lived with that guilt or that belief that image for such a long time that it's so hungry to be loved so starving for affection and it's so hungry to express itself so that that desire to be the graphic designer for example would probably be there at the early child's memory. Maybe you wanted to paint on the wall or maybe you just loved colours. Maybe that little child loved to just spend hours talking to itself. And it's all there. The younger child has your desires to express itself. And later on in life it comes out as a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. But in step three, when you... As your adult self, you talk to that younger version of yourself where you form the guilt and you just say, What would you love to do? What are the words that you want to hear from mum or dad or me right now? And what would you love to tell me? What would you love to express? Tell me now. And you let that younger version of yourself just open up and express. That's the gold. In the sessions when I work with the clients, I hear these things that literally want to make me um, not cry because I'm happy. I I can't express the feelings I get. It's almost like, oh, I've just tapped into something so precious. It's like uh, I've been watching Lord of the Rings, but I, um, the character in Lord of the Rings that's obsessed with the ring, he's like, my precious, my precious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and you've... You've got this gold and and you just want to share and celebrate it with the person. And that's what we want in the third step, to combat the guilt, to almost put the guilt to rest. We need something so powerful that it overwhelms the attachment to the guilt. Because many of us have been carrying the guilt for so long that we're so used to it, we need something so powerful. And the, the inner child, the younger version of yourself, has it. But we don't listen to that part of ourselves. And here is the next step. Once you start attending to the needs of your younger self, you may actually get distracted. You may go down tangents and you get into all this other areas of the child. Because as children, we're so full of so many different ways of thinking and feeling. We're not focused like an adult. We're full of we want to make you play and we want to waste time and we want to talk about things we we might get really distracted so as an adult when you're relating to your younger self you need to be really focused like a parent would be and you need to get the insights about the guilt that you want Um, so for example if you start connecting to your younger child they may want to make you play and get distracted and that that's all good if you've got the time (laughs) and maybe if you're in isolation you've got time (laughs) to talk to (laughs) your inner child but because we want to look at guilt i invite you to get really specific about transforming your relationship to this guilt so to transform the relationship to the guilt after you've connected to the child and really heard what was the one thing they needed to hear We also need to then talk to the adult that maybe created that image of guilt for the child or the fear that they had of disappointing the adult. So in the fourth step, you really need to be able to help the child to express the one thing they need to say to the family member in that specific guilt situation. What does a child need to say? So for example, they need to say, Mommy, I need your help. Mummy, can you help me in this situation? Whatever they need to say, you need to get them to express it because, unfortunately, as a child, we learn to not express or ask for help. We learn to be helpless and we put, we transform that into guilt instead of positive expression. And um, if that you need to help the child to express to the mother or the father or whoever in that memory. I want to draw. I want to be a graphic designer. designer. You need to help the child to express whatever that desire is, to share whatever they want to share in the world. So if, if in this case we were looking at the graphic designer and the guilt around not being able to be the designer, You really want to focus on helping your younger child to be able to express its right to do whatever they want to do, no matter what mom or dad think.
1: So, Angela, say it was me, and I'm reflecting back at my inner child to a certain moment of my childhood, and I want to be this graphic designer. I'm going to actually say to that family member, this, this is what I want to become. This is who I want to be when I grow up. Um,
0: first, no, sorry, thanks for that, Patty. Versus saying this is what you want to be when you grow up, if you go back mm-hmm. to your memory and you remember how the child felt and you ask them okay. what they really want to do, then the next step is to get them to express it to the person in the memory that where the guilt started. For example, it's usually mum or dad. It can be a school teacher. It can be a sibling. It can okay. Be another family member. And you want- so,
1: so I would say to say it's my dad. I would say to him, Dad, I want to be a graphic designer.
0: Or specifically you ask the child in the memory, what do you need to say to Dad now? Uh,
1: What do you need to say to Dad now?
0: Okay. And you are the adult talking to your inner Uh child saying, okay, sweetie, thank you so much for sharing with me. And now in order to help you get rid of this guilt what do you need to say to dad right now? What do you need to say? And they might tell you, oh, I'm too scared to say something to dad and you keep talking to them. Why are you scared to say to dad? Mm -hmm. It can be quite difficult and that's why this work that I do, it's actually created by Dr. Patrick Wanus. It's quite tricky because as an adult we keep on thinking, you know, this child should just get over it. But the more I've worked with the inner child or the younger version of ourselves the more I realize we've really created a lot of hardcore beliefs about it's not right to be um, a, not assertive to our parents because when we were children we weren't allowed to speak back we weren't allowed to say I want to do what I want to do and often our adult guilt about doing what we want to do is because as children, we weren't allowed to do what we want to do. Or we got in trouble for doing what we wanted to do. Or we were seen as a bad girl or a bad boy for doing what we what we wanted to do. Or we, we simply just were scared of our parents' disapproval. You know, it's that look in their eyes, um... It's that, you know, sometimes as children, we mix up when our parents are frustrated. Our parents could have come from work and be really frustrated about work and they're like, oh, about something around the house right. or having to cook dinner. And the child will mix that up as disapproval for their behavior. And they can have spent 30, 40, 50 years carrying disapproval of their parents when actually the parent was dis- just frustrated about something else and they've interpreted it wrongly so mm-hmm. the the goal that i've found from talking to the younger version of ourself one, where you've created a, a feeling of guilt is that once you get to them talking to the adult then you discover why <laughs> they hold on to the guilt <laughs> and they're like i can't say that because mom won't let me or she'll get angry and it's like Okay, I know that you're scared of her anger, but we really need to help you to let go of this guilt now. What do you? What? Why don't you try practicing it with me now? What would you like to mum to do instead? So step four can be quite tricky, and I do recommend um, Dr. Patrick Wannis has on his website. Um, He's started to release some self work that you can start doing this work with him it's called subconscious rapid transformation and you can start to work on this step here to really understand how to help that younger version of yourself get rid of the guilt see when you work on this part of verbalizing how to say i want to do what i want to do as a child it really helps you as an adult then find what I want to offer you in the fifth and final step is how do you actually start to speak to your family members in the current day? Because once you know what you have said to the family member as a child when you created the belief, then in the fifth and final step, you got to learn what language you now need to say to the people around you. If they still disapprove of your behaviour in your adult life, You need to learn the words as an adult that you can say to them that will help you say, I'm going to do what I want to do and that's it, that's my choice. Even if you disapprove of me, I know you may not like what I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I want to do. And you can do it with much more confidence once you've talked to the inner child and understood why they're so fearful of speaking up. So that may be a bit complicated, the steps that I've shared. I'm just wondering if there's anything, Patty, I can explain with a bit more clarity.
1: The inner child, I can see going there and working through that. And being able to clarify on certain, certain ways or triggers that might happen after you've done this kind of work and you've answered the questions and you've worked through the process.
0: Yeah. So I'll, I'll review the first four steps and then I'll finish with the final step where you come back to the adult situation where you have to confront your family member or maybe not confront them but simply do what you want to do regardless of their disapproval. So the first step is to write down your answer to why do you feel guilty and discover what fears might be there underneath the guilt. What are you fearful of? The second step is to ask, how has this guilt shown up in my family before? When do you first remember this guilt in yourself? And see what memory comes. It'll be the first memory. And the third step is, as an adult, you talk to that younger version of yourself that you see in the memory. And you can connect to them, you have to have a connection to them emotionally otherwise it won't work. But you connect to them and you ask them what would be the one thing that that child would love to do, what words would they love to hear and what would they love to express, what would they love to do and express. And the fourth step is where you go deeper to help that younger version of yourself to express to the adult or the caregiver or the person in that memory, could be a school teacher or a sibling, what do they need to say to that person? And that's where you may go deeper. You might find that they're too scared to speak up and you ask them to tell you more. Keep asking and building that understanding of why they're fearful because then when you get to the fifth and final step, when you come back to what am I going to say to my family member, to do what I want to do regardless of what they think or feel or might do or say. That's in the fifth step. You use the wisdom from your inner child about what they wanted to say and you think about what can I say to my family member to tell them I'm going to do what I want to do and I wish to continue the relationship but if I can't continue a relationship, that's your choice. So in the fifth and final step, you really have to find the words that you can say to the family member. And this step I've found sometimes with clients, we don't actually even talk to the family member. We simply take action. And if the family member then disapproves, we have the conversation with the family member. But the person, the client, has the confidence because they know from connecting to their younger self, they know what they need to say. They know that they've got the confidence that they did nothing wrong to go ahead with what they wanted to do and there is no need to be guilty. And they also know that in order to follow their true heart's desire, they need to actually step forward and do what they want to do. And that's somehow... uh, more important and of equal value to the needs and regard of their family member so in the fifth step you really have to face the question of do you value yourself equally to your family members if you value yourself then you need to do what you want to do regardless of what they're thinking or feeling and if they do disapprove and you lose the relationship, which does happen sometimes, that relationship will come back. I've noticed with clients that sometimes you go ahead regardless of what the family member may think. They disapprove. Then they come back into your life anyway because they still want you. And you continue the relationship anyway, but you may have a period of separation. And those periods of separation, both family members are still working on this difference of opinion or difference of perception of how you should be living. And ultimately you get understanding, but they may not get understanding in the moment. Sometimes by just simply talking to the inner child, what's happened is that the person has actually gone back to their family and the guilt has gone. The, the difference of opinion has gone. The, the family member is more accepting naturally and they've actually said, oh, well, okay, I don't really agree with what you're doing, but go ahead and do what you want to do. That's what I've noticed a lot has happened when you talk to it's, the younger self.
1: It's probably the, the communication of expressing themselves and saying this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it and being open about it.
0: Yeah. And once you actually express what you want to do, it's often what I've realized that half the time we actually live in fear of people's disapproval. It's not really true. They don't really care. I think half of the time my father just wanted me to marry someone who would look after me. He didn't care who I married, but he wanted to know I was safe. He didn't really have an expectation about marriage. I had the expectation that I should be married. And I had the guilt of not being what what I thought my father wanted. He had a very different perception, but I had programmed my guilt from early childhood about that. (laughs) So many times we don't express to our family what we truly desire or when we do express it, we sort of beat them over the head with it like they should accept who we are <laughs> actually we're really guilty for being who we are, going ahead with who we are because we think they're not going to like it.
1: Right, and then sometimes when you sit down and talk about it, it's totally different than what you thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I hope I haven't brought up more um, questions and answers this time. The five-step process was very simplified from what I'd only do. And if people have more questions, they can always put that in our Facebook group. And there are other ways to ask questions as well. Patty, can you share about the questions that people, the way people can ask us relationship questions?
1: Yes. Angela and I do have a Facebook group. It's called Building Better Relationships at Home and at Work with Angela and Patty. You can ask us a relationship question in the Facebook group, or you can leave us a voicemail message on the Anchor podcast app. You can also email us and we do have our email address in our show notes well thank you Angela for sharing all of that wealth of knowledge and and those five questions that we can sit down and ask our inner child I really learned a lot by this podcast and I really appreciate that um, how you broke it down into steps for us It was really good. I do have a question for you, Angela. Could you give us an update about your health miracle?
0: Oh, yes. Just another miracle, miracles upon miracles. So I have been given the all clear from the doctor um, when they reviewed my scans. No cancer. Yes. Yes, That's awesome. And no blood shots.
1: And nobody wants. That is so good. So that that is wonderful. So when when do you have another checkup, or is this all clear and you don't have to worry about it anymore?
0: Well, it's a good question because uh, the doctors will worry because that's their job. So thank you medical uh-huh. teams all over the world for worrying about us. So that's their job to worry. I'm not worried, but their job is to worry. And they'll yeah. do that in about four months. And because of how serious my situation was, they they really need to do it about every four to six months. But it, it will um, progressively get longer and longer the more that my results are positive. Then they worry over a longer distance of time or shorter, longer periods, if that uh, makes any sense, how the medical system works when once you get the clear then they say well let's make it instead of six months let's make it a year instead of a year or do two years so they're going to keep their eyes on me because hopefully we'll get a paper done on my case study as well as my situation was a groundbreaking use of immunotherapy for um, post-operative uterine cancer which was very unusual and it was a success, so perhaps it can be a case study to assist other research to move forward to, for the use of immunotherapy for ovarian and uterine cancer. So let's look forward to that.
1: Yes, that's wonderful news, and thank you for sharing that.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Very happy to share.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for listening, and if you do have any questions for us or have any topics for us, we would appreciate it. And please help uh, hit the like button on any of the podcast episodes. We would appreciate it. Thanks,
0: everyone. Thank you for listening to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. Send us a message. And please like or share the podcast or donate with the Anchor Donate button. We really value your feedback.